0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, a.k.a. The Gratitude Chick. This episode is sponsored by Goalie Gummies, a perfect addition to your wellness routine. Are you looking for a delicious way to support your overall health? Goalie ACV gummies are made with vitamin B9 and B12, to help support healthy nutrient metabolism and immune function. I have partnered with Goli to give all of my listeners 20% off and free shipping. Use my coupon code at checkout, TheGratitudeChick, all one word, to take advantage of this offer. Their website is www.goli.com. That is www.goli.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms at The Gratitude Chick for Facebook and Instagram, at Babes Who Manifest Podcast for Facebook and Instagram, at Babes Who Manifest for TikTok, and Gratitude underscore chick for Twitter. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of your weekly devotional with the gratitude chick so today we are in uh second samuel and we are finishing up this chapter well that is my goal it's five chap. it is five um we're finishing up this book i should say but we're five chapters away from being done in this book so i'm hoping we can get through them all today Maybe this is going to be two episodes, though, until we're done. As a reminder, I do um, read from the New King James Version of the Bible. And um, I do offer my own commentary, which is, of course, my own opinion. So don't be offended if it does not um, coincide with your own. I did uh, pray right before I started to record So, we're just going to jump right into chapter number 20 of 2 Samuel. And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bickri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So, every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Bickri. But the men of Judah from the Jordan, as far as Jerusalem, remained loyal to their king. Now David came to his house at Jerusalem and the king took the 10 women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house and put them in seclusion and supported them, but did not go into them. So they were shut up to the day of their death, living in widowhood. What? Now, you guys know how I feel about the concubines. These were just women that David had sex with whenever he wanted to. And he wasn't married to them. But um, this this says he, you know, just kind of... What I am envisioning is that he put them in like a nunnery and shut them up. And they died there. That's crazy. They couldn't marry anyone else because... I mean, who's going to marry a woman who's just specifically here to have sex with the king, you know? That's crazy. And the king said to Amasa, Assemble the men of Judah for for me within three days and be present here yourself. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, the son of Bikri will do us more harm than Absalom take your lord's servants and pursue him <clears throat> lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us so joab's men with the Cherethites and the pelethites and all the mighty men went out after him and they went out after jerusalem to pursue sheba the son of Bikri. when they were at the large stone which is in gibeon a massa came before them now joab was dressed in battle armor on it was a belt with a sword fastened in its sheath at, its, at his hips. And as he was going forward, it fell out. Then Joab said to Amasa, are you in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hand. And he struck him with it in the stomach and his entrails poured out on the ground and he did not strike him again. Thus he died. Then Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri. I, I guess he killed him because he did not follow the king's directive. The king said three days and he tarried. So, you know, at that point, maybe, and, and this is just me guessing. Um, if, you do, if you're not, if we're in pursuit of this guy and you go up to fortify the city or to ensure that he can escape and you don't do it, the way the king told you to do then at this point are you a traitor you know so <clears throat> they couldn't trust him because he didn't i i mean i'm again i'm just speculating this is really weird <laughs> then joab and abishai his brother pursued sheba the son of Bikri. meanwhile one of joab's men stood near Amasa and said whoever favors joab and whoever is for david follow david i mean follow joab excuse me I'm sorry I'm drinking this um ginger root and turmeric root tea and it's bringing up all kind of stuff but Amasa wallowed in his blood in the middle of the highway and when the man saw that all the people stood still he moved Amasa from the highway to the field and threw a garment over him when he saw that everyone who came upon him halted when he was removed from the highway all the people went on after Joab to pursue Sheba the son of Bikri and he went through all the tribes of Israel to, Ab- to Abel and beth Ma- and all the Barites. So they were gathered together and also went after Sheba. Then they came and besieged him in Abel of beth Mekah, And they cast, upon a- cast up a siege mound against the city and it stood by the rampart. And all the people who were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. Then a wise woman cried out from the city, Hear, hear, please say to Joab, Come nearby that I may speak with you. When he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? He answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. So she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, They shall surely seek guidance at Abel, and so they would end disputes. I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri, by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. So the woman said to Joab, Watch his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman, in her wisdom, went to all the people, and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and threw it out to Joab. Then he blew a trumpet, and they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. And Joab was over all the army of Israel. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. Adoram was in charge of revenue. Jehoshaphat, the son of Elud, was recorder. Sheba was scribe, Zadok and Abiathar were the priests, and Ira the Jethrite was the chief minister under David. So now we're just going to go ahead and, and move to chapter 21 to see if I could fit all these chapters into this episode. Now there was famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered, it is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house. Because he killed the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you, and with what shall I make atonement, that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? Now, this is one of those chapters that I feel may have been misplaced because at this point that we are reading, Saul has been dead for many years, right? So why now is there a famine at the end of David's life as he's been king for decades? Why would there be a famine for the descendants of the Amorites that Saul did that Saul tried to kill instead of this happening somewhere towards the beginning. So, <clears throat> I'm not really sure. This is a part of David's story, of course. But I'm not really sure if this is how um, it was written and you know what I mean? Or if this was just kind of placed here. So, um, I am a I used to be a believer that you know, the Bible, of course, being the word of God is how it's meant to be. But, um, to me, that's kind of an ignorant stance to take, um, just simply because, um, I believe that the the Lord shuts up things from us until we're able to, um, be, you know, have them, uh, till we're able to, properly, you know, understand them. Um, I, I, I think that was one of the reasons why Daniel and Revelation are so coded, because they're very coded, and they go together, um, but you really, it's, it's, they're so convoluted that you don't really know what, what it's saying, you know what I mean? There are so many different um, studies of Daniel Revelation that people, some, some of them mean, are the same, and some of them are different. So, with they're now, you know, coming out with different books of the Bible that were not included, you know, at first I would scoff at it and say, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. God knows how to preserve his word. And I, while I do still believe that, I do believe that there are times when he does shut up things so that um, when we have the ears to hear, we will hear. You know what I mean? Um... There are times in our lives when we have knowledge, um, but for whatever reason, we cannot retain it at that moment. We have to go through things to retain it or to understand it. I should say not retain it. So um, I think now for me, like there is a book of Enoch that I just kind of downloaded and that one I'm reading. Because I want to know what it's about, you know. I want to know. um, I want to to read and study and talk to the Lord about it and see, you know, what is it about this book? Is it part of the Bible that that you have it written? That's what I want to read it about. There are a lot of Christians who don't necessarily believe that we should be reading stuff out of um, that's not in the Bible that people say are part of the Bible. And... Um, I really want people to open their minds because the book that we read as the Bible is translated. You know, it's translated. I, I think this may be. I think it's translated from Aramaic, Aramaic to Greek to to English. So we're on we're on a third translation of an original writing. So there are things in this Bible that may not even be the way it it's meant to be in the original writing so for that reason alone is why I am willing to open my mind to you know these other books of the bible just to see if they coincide with what is written now because I believe the bible um verifies itself in that what's in the new testament can be trans you know kind of um related back to the Old Testament in many verses because it's kind of a reiteration of the Old Testament so that is why I am reading the book of Enoch and actually we were going to go to Solomon right? Maybe I'll do next reading the book of Enoch on here and even though I've never I've never read the book I just downloaded it so I think that's what we'll do is we'll read the book of Enoch next and discuss it. That would be fun, right? Okay. I, at least I hope you guys think it's fun. Um, Just remember, reading about it is the same as reading, you know, any other book. Don't make it, you know, turn your, your nose up just because you're reading something that someone says was a part of the Bible. We, if you know God, then you know God. Don't get discouraged because I'm reading it. You would be surprised how many Christians will get discouraged that I'm reading this book? You'll be surprised. Anyway, so um that is why I, I just said that just you know, because I think that this chapter is being sat here. It really should should have been in first Samuel, I'm thinking. But nevertheless, therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you, and with what shall I make atonement that you may bless? Inheritance of the Lord and the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, Whatever you say, I will do for you. Then they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul. The Lord chose, oh, geez, and the king said, I will give them. Oh, my! But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Armani and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rizbah, the daughter of Aya. Whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Mohathite, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, and the first days in the beginning of barley harvest. Now, you guys remember in the old testament um the sins of the father would be on the sons so this is really just following you know kind of their i don't really know if this is um cultural i want to say it maybe, but it it, they kind of followed the rule of thumb that the sins of the father is on you know on the sons so Now Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went out and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Beth shan where the philistines had hung them after the philistines had struck down saul and gilboa so he brought up the bones of saul and the bones of jonathan his son from there and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged they buried the bones of saul and jonathan his son in the country of benjamin in zela in the tomb of kish his father so they performed all that the king commanded and after that god heeded the prayer for the land When when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. And again, why is David, you know, in war when he's old? Like he didn't send the people to war. He went down. So this is just another reason why I think this is kind of convoluted how it's placed here. Um, And David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel." Well, maybe that's why. Uh, maybe he was just too old and that's why he got faint. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at, G- at Gob. Then Sebeki, the Hushathite killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines where Elihan, the son of Jair, Orgem, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. I am really butchering these names. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there were, maybe they're just kind of summarizing all the wars that they had with the Philistines. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shamiah, David's brother, killed him these four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So that just means to me that, um, he killed, must've killed all the giants. And I, I, in my opinion, those giants were like literal giants, 30 feet tall, 30, 40, 50 feet tall, or maybe even more. Um, I do believe that there were giants back in the day but I'm also a believer that man has shrunk over time I don't believe like I believe that Adam and Eve were um like 18 20 30 feet tall I believe that I don't believe that as big as this world is and as tall as this world is that we were supposed to be this short I don't i just don't believe it anything and even if you can you know kind of look back even the past 50 years people have shrunk men used to be much taller than they are now and now they're you know year by year it's lower and lower into the five feet tall so i i definitely believe that um they were much taller, much, much taller. So it looks like we're only going to get to um, chapter 23 um, just because, oh, maybe only chapter 22 because chapter 22 has over 50, over 50 verses and we're at 20 minutes and I keep talking. Okay, so chapter 22, we're on. So... Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the, the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Okay, so again, this is this is letting us know that this is definitely not at the end of David's life because this is more like a song that is, we're about to read. Um, because it says, David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. By this point, at the end of David's life, Saul is dead. So, this is more like a psalm. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So, so shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled, the foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him Holes of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels on the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were uncovered. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils, he sent from heaven, I'm sorry, he sent from above, He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. So in this song, he's letting us know the first half was talking about God's might and how God, you know, just kind of adorned himself with all of his might to come and avenge David. That is what he's talking about in this first part of this song. And David acknowledges um, kind of his uh, his fallibility in that he's saying that he had to be delivered from an enemy that was too strong for him. And he's showing us how God is an infallible God and that he was the conqueror. So... Again, this is why David was a man after God's own heart. Just listen to the song. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Mercy. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God, for all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from iniquity. I don't know about that, David. therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, and maybe he's saying he kept himself from iniquity in that he repented. Very much so after his iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyes. And, his, and see, that's it. According to the cleanness in God's eyes. And in first Samuel, tells us that man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. So I am looking at David's sin, but God is looking at his heart. And that is why he is a man after God's own heart. There is a difference. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. For by you, I can run against a troop. But my God, I can leap over, by my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, His way is perfect; the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. For He is God. Except, for who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power, and He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer, and sets me on high places. He teaches my hand to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarge my path under me so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet, for you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies, so that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. You you have also delivered me from the strivings of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. The foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. The Lord lives. Please, uh, blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. And this is why, I don't care what anybody says, this is why David is a man after God's own heart. He literally just created a song, starting and telling everyone about the might of God and the power of God in his kingship and his dominion over the world. And then he talks about how God and his might and his anger for His servant, David, and for those who crossed him, came and saved him out of every single thing that has happened to David in his life. No matter what he has done, he has saved him. And then he turned around and talked about how much God loves us and loved David so much that he set him on high. He allowed him to beat back his enemy as dust of the field, you know? And then at the very end, he praised God and thanked him. Listen, I'm telling you guys right now, this is why David is a man after God's own heart. God looks on the heart. He looked at David. He received David's praise. He loved David's praise. And that is why I know all of you that are Christians have heard this term. When praises go up, blessings come down. Right? You guys have heard that. And this is why David was so blessed. So blessed to be called a man after God's own heart. Because his praises were fantastical. And when they went up, he became so blessed. Him and his house. Right? Okay, so this, I'm going to keep going. It's 30 minutes, so if you're listening, I'm just going to finish it, so bear with me. This is my, it's going to be a long episode. I'm going to try not to make it an hour, but it's going to be a long episode, because um, we only have two chapters left. Now, these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of of uh, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds like the tender grass springing out of the earth. by by clear shining after rain. Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? Yes, he will. But the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man who touches them must be armed, with iron in the shaft of a spear and they shall be utterly burned with fire in their place these are the names of the mighty men whom David had Joseph okay I'm gonna be honest with you I can't read those names and it's gonna take me too long to even stumble through them but he lists a lot of names okay and let's see He rose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a a great victory that day, and the people returned after him, only to plunder, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Herorite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop, where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the, the Lord brought about a great victory. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam, and the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rapham. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone will give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. Wow. These things were done by three mighty men. Now, Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, who was chief of another three, he lifted his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name among these three. Was he not the most honored of, of the three? Therefore, he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabziel, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in in his hand. So he went down to him with a staff, wrested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, did and won a name among three mighty men. He was more honored than the thirty, but he did not attain to the first three. And David appointed him over his guard. Ashel, the brother of Joab, was one of the thirty. El... Uh, uh. Okay, this, these are more names. Sorry, I'm going to skip past all the names. Yeah, the, okay, so that's the end of that. They were really just naming all the 30 men, the 30 great men. And while they deserve to be named, um, I, I can't go through the names. It was just, it was too much. Um, and so please forgive me for that. When you guys have time, if you want to read the names, it's Second um, Samuel chapter number 23. So we're going to go to chapter 24. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and count the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are, and may the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king desire this king this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore, Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king and to count the people of Israel, and they crossed over the Jordan and camped in Aror on the site on the right side of the town, which is in the midst of the ravine of Gad and toward Jazer, Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tatum-Hoshai. They came to Dan-Jan and around to Sidon, and they came to the stronghold of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Then they went out to south Judah as far as Beersheba, so when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of 9 months and 20 days. Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Israel, I'm sorry, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. And again, guys, these were just the men, not it didn't include the women and the children. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad. David's seer, saying, Go and tell David thus, says the Lord. I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it for you. So Gad came to David and told him, And he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land, or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you, or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I would take back to him who sent me. Which which one would you guys do? Which one would you guys pick? Would you pick famine for seven years? I wouldn't. Um, Would you want to flee three months before your enemies? While they pursue you, I don't think I could do that, especially in his old days. Or should there be a plague for three days in your land? And by plague, it's like boils, you know, um, for three days. Could you do a boil for three days? Or boils, like your whole body could be boils, and you may not even be able to lay down or rest or walk. So, I would, I w- you know, what would you do? I'm not going to lie, I may choose the three-day plague. I don't know, I don't know. Because is there death after the plague, or would the plague just dry up? I need, I need more answers. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. <gasps> no! And when the angel stretched out his hand over Ish- of Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arunai the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arani the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Aronai looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aronai went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Aronai said, Why has my Lord the king come to a servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aronai said to David, Let my Lord the King take an offer. Up, whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements, and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aaroni has given to the king. And Aaroni said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Aaroni, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. And that is the end of 2 Samuel. And as we can see, um, David went through a lot. Now, um we could continue on with 1 Kings, but in 1 Kings, David's going to die, you know, it's no really no longer his story at this point. And um the my entire purpose of reading 1st and 2nd Samuel was to understand why David was called a man after God's own heart. And with reading 1st and 2nd Samuel, Um, and then, you know, reading some of Psalms on manifesting in the Bible series, I am convinced that David is known and was called a man after God's own heart because of his praise and his repentance, his remorsefulness and his gratitude to God. His, you know, like I said before in first Samuel, I believe it's chapter 12. It talks about, um, God looking at, no, man looking on the outward appearance, but God looking at the heart. We as fallible man, we tend to judge ourselves and others based on what we see with our eyes. And we don't, we don't listen to the heart of our, you know, of our fellow man. We don't see the goodness in them because we, we first judge by what we see. And because God is the opposite of that, he is judging based on what he sees on the inside. Even Jesus um, talked to the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and told them, you know, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, you guys scrub the outside so good when the inside is as filthy rags, you know? And it's true. It is what's inside that matters, not what's on the outside. And on the outside, we see that David it was a, you know, was a king who had a lot of wives and a lot of concubines, and he did dastardly deeds. But he also repented heavily. He learned his lessons. He loved God. He loved God, and he made sure everybody knew that he loved God to the point that one of his wives, you know, looked upon him with disdain because he was. Praising and dancing to, you know, giving God glory in the street. And in her eyes, you know, he was, this is not the way a king should behave. So, David w- will remain outside of Jesus, my favorite character of the Bible, just because he shows us as, you know, people in 2022. You know, and again, his story was written a long time ago, but he shows me in today's world, you know, that yes, I am a sinner of the worst kind. You know, just simply because anything that I do that is contrary to what God has told me to do makes me a sinner of the worst kind. So that is who I am, and if God could deliver David. Who was not just an adulterer and a liar, but a murderer, and he could deliver David and make him a man after God's own heart, he can do that for me as well. And that is my entire purpose of reading this, was so that I can show anybody who listens to this devotional that your character is what you are taking with you around this world and. the next your character not you know the house you live in the car you drive how much money you make any of that it is your character and to me that is your greatest treasure and I think that is what the Bible means when it says build up your treasures for heaven your treasure is your greatest your character is your greatest treasure and that is the treasure you must be building up not these earthly goods that will pass away that you cannot take with you so i hope that throughout this entire david series that you guys have learned why he is a man after god's own heart and that you can you know apply the lessons that David learned to your own lives I know I can and David is one of the reasons why I am and I I embody in my and, and my alter ego is the gratitude chick David is one of the reasons And all things give thanks my grandmother you know put me on the less on the road to being the gratitude chick as a young kid because in the morning, when we would have devotion before school, we read from psalms and and you know it, it we always read about how much David loved the Lord and how much he lifted his eyes up and and to the hills. One of the very first scriptures that we learned to memorize as a bible uh as a memory verse for um Sabbath school and I you know. You guys went to church on Sunday, so you call it Sunday school. We went to t- church on Saturday, so it's called Sabbath school because it's the Sabbath. And one of the uh, first memory verses we learned was Psalms 23. And that, to me, is an all-encompassing psalms as it relates to the love of God towards you and how much he's going to bless you and care for you and carry you through your life. Psalms 23. So if you have never taught your child any scripture in the Bible, start with Psalms 23 and break it down to them. There is um, a Manifesting in the Bible episode on Psalms 23. Go and listen to it and teach that to your children. So this is going to be the end. It's a pretty long episode, but I hope you guys did, stuck with me to the end. Thank you so much for listening. I do believe we're going to the next uh, next week we're gonna start on the book of Enoch. I do believe we are, but and I hope you guys tune in. Um, I really do, and let's see what it's all about. Why not? Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life, guys. I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe and give my podcast 5 stars if you have not already. Join my Facebook group Babes Who Manifest.